Well, hello everyone. This is recording. Hello everyone. This is recording. <laughs> this is a. Hello. Let's start this over again. Hello everyone. This is opposing the matrix, and it is the uh, tw the fifth of August already, two thousand nineteen. This year is more than halfway shot. Um, hey Jim. Hey uh, Eric. How you guys doing? Doing fine. Doing great, man. All right. Wonderful. Wonderful. Good deal. Um, folks, we. Uh, we have a subject tonight we're going to talk about, and it's basically, um, uh, Jim, why don't you to, to talk about what the subject's going to be, and then I want to read something for the, for the audience. Well, it's it's got to do with this reset that's coming. Um, some of the most recent stories, I mean, there's so much that is involved, uh, everything is interconnected, but it's going to be a time of reaping what you're sowing. It's going to be a time of uh, revealing who is and who isn't really following the Lord. There's going to be a time of upheaval, a time of uh, really discernment and a time of knowing um, the sheep from the wolves, the wheat from the tares, um, a time of accountability for everyone, good or bad. So reaping and sowing, those that have been reaping to the kingdom are sowing to the kingdom but haven't really reaped much. This is going to be an opportunity before you get into the sweet by and by to experience some of it in the here and now, to be a vessel, a servant during a difficult time. For some of you, I mean, this goes for Christian or non-Christian. For for um, the same, if you've been self-willed and, and holding back and playing games, well, you know what? You're going to reap what you've been sowing. And so some is going to be a great time and some not so much. We don't know anybody like that, do we? Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, we're going to long week. So will everybody else. That's right. <laughs> Um, so folks, you got kind of a perspective of what we're going to do today, but, uh, first I wanted to read something to the listening audience and, um, and, and I'm reading this because, uh, and, and you'll probably get it toward the end, but, um, I want to, I want the reading or listening audience, excuse me, to, uh, to tell me, or maybe after the first, uh, you know, first few paragraphs, tell me how old do you think the writer of this document was? And I'm going there for a reason, and you'll understand why later. <clears throat> uh, it starts out, the inconvenient truth. This is about me. In general, I support the Christchurch shooter and his, and his manifesto. This attack is a response to the Hispanic invasion of Texas. They're instigators, not me. I am simply defending my country from a cultural and ethnic replacement brought on by an invasion. Some people will think this statement is hypocritical because of the nearly complete ethnic and cultural destruction brought to brought to the Native Americans by our European ancestors, but this just reinforces my point. The natives didn't take the invasion the European invasion seriously, and now what's left is just a shadow of what was. 
My motives for this attack are not at all personal. Actually, the Hispanic community was not my target before I read The Great Replacement. This target before I read... Uh, Excuse me. This manifesto will cover the political and economic reasons behind the attack, my gear, my expectations of what response this will generate, and my personal motivations and thoughts. Personal reasons. In short, America is rotting from the inside out, and the peaceful means to stop this seem to be nearly impossible. The inconvenient truth is that our leaders, both Democrat and Republican, have been failing us for decades. They are either complacent or involved in one of the biggest betrayals of the American public in our history. The takeover of the, takeover of the United States government by unchecked corporations, I could write a 10-page essay on all the damage that these corporations have caused, but here is what is important. Due to the death of the baby boomers, the increasingly anti-immigrant rhetoric of the right and the ever-increasing Hispanic population America will soon become a one-party state. The Democrat Party will own America, and they know it. They have already begun the transition by pandering heavily to the Hispanic voting bloc in the first Democratic debate. They intended to use open borders, free health care for illegals, citizenship, and more to enact a political coup by importing and then legalizing millions of new voters. With policies like these, the Hispanic support for Democrats will likely become nearly unanimous in the future. The heavy, the heavy, um, excuse me, the heavy Hispanic population in Texas will make us a Democrat stronghold. Losing Texas and a few other states with a heavy Hispanic population to the Democrats is all that would take for them to win every presidential election. Although the Republican Party is also terrible, many factions within the Republican Party are pro-corporation pro-corporation equals pro-immigration, but some factions within the Republican Party don't prioritize corporations over our future. So the Democrats are nearly unanimous with their support of immigration while the Republicans are divided over it. At least with Republicans, the process of mass immigration and citizenship can be greatly reduced. You know, it goes into economic reasons. In short, the immigration can only, in short, immigration can only be detrimental to the future of America Continued immigration will make one of the biggest issues of our time, um, of our time, automation, so much worse. So uh, some sources say that in order, in under two decades, half of American jobs will be lost to it. Of course, some people will be re uh, retrained, but most will not. So it makes no sense to keep letting millions of illegal, illegal or illegal immigrants flood into the United States and to keep the tens of millions that are already here. Invaders who have also, who have, excuse me, invaders who also have co close to the highest birth rate of all ethnicities in America. In the near future, America will have to initiate a basic universal income to prevent widespread poverty and civil unrest as people lose their jobs. Joblessness in itself is a source of civil unrest. The less dependence on government and the welfare system, the better. The lower the unemployment rate, the better. Achieving ambitions, social projects like universal health care and UBI would become far more likely to succeed if tens of millions of dependents are removed. Even though new, new migrants do the dirty work, their kids typically don't. They want to live in the American dream, which is uh, why they get college degrees and fill higher paying uh, skilled positions. This is why corporations lobby for even more legal immigration. Excuse me. Uh, yeah illegal immigration. 
even after the decades of it happening. They need to keep replenishing the low-skilled labor pool. Even as migrant children flood skilled jobs, uh, corporations make this worse for, by lobbying for even more work visas to be issued for skilled foreign workers to come here. Recently, the Senate, under a Republican administration, has greatly increased the number of foreign workers that will take American jobs. Remember that both, both Democrats and Republicans support immigration and work visas. Corporations need to keep replenishing the labor pool uh, for both skilled and unskilled jobs to keep wages down, so automation is a good thing as it will eliminate the need for migrants to fill unskilled jobs, jobs that Americans can't survive on anyway. Automations can, automation could and would replace millions of low-skilled jobs if immigrants were deported. This source of competition for skilled labor from immigrants and visa holders around the world has made a very difficult situation even worse for natives as they complete, excuse me, compete in the skilled job market. To compete, people have to get better credentials by spending more time at college. It used to be that a high school degree was worth something. Now a bachelor's degree is what's recommended to be competitive in the job market. The cost of college degrees has exploded as their value has plummeted. This has led to a generation of indebted, overqualified students filling menial, low-paying, and unfulfilling jobs. Of course, the, of course, these migrants and their children have contributed to the problem, but are not the sole cause of it. The American lifestyle affords our citizens an incredible quality of life. However, our lifestyle is destroying the environment of our country. The dissemination of the environment, or excuse me, the decimation of the environment, that's a big word for a 20 year old, um, is creating a, a massive burden for the future generations. Corporates are, um, I think it's a misspelling, the, the, the destruction of our environment by shamelessly over harvesting um, resources. This has been a problem for decades. For example, this phenomenon is brilliantly portrayed um, in the decades old classic, The Lorax. Watersheds around the country, especially in agricultural areas, are being depleted. Fresh water is being polluted for, for, from farming and oil drilling operations. Consumer culture is creating thousands of tons of unnecessary plastic waste and electronic waste and recycling, uh, and recycling to help slow down is almost non-existent. Urban sprawl creates inefficient cities, which unnecessarily destroy millions of acres of land. We even use uh, God knows how many trees worth of paper just to wipe water off our hands. Everything that I have seen and heard in my short life has led me to believe that the average American isn't willing to change their lifestyle, even if the changes only cause a slight inconvenience. The government is willing to take to tackle these issues beyond empty promises is unwilling, excuse me, to, to tackle these issues beyond empty promises since they are owned by the corporations. Corporations that also like immigration because more people means a bigger market for their products. I just want to say that I love the people of this country, but God, but goddamn, most of y'all are just too stubborn to change and decrease the number of people in America using resources. If we can get rid of enough people, uh, then our way of life can become more sustainable. And he's talk, he goes in to talk about his gear, and I know this has been very long, so I don't want to read much more. But um, from what I've read, Jim and Eric, how old would you think that the person is that wrote this? You know, personally, I would say probably have to be 50 years or older, but um, giving the benefit of the doubt, maybe 45, but not anything younger than that. My gosh, the, the, the amount of 
wisdom or understanding behind that is impossible for a 19 year old. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know where you were at at 19, but <laughs> no, no. Uh-uh. I, uh, I'd have to agree. It's obviously not written by someone that's relatively young. Yeah. Now this is written by a, uh, the shooter folks, uh, down in, down in, uh, supposedly written down by the shooter down in uh, El Paso. And I want to point out one other thing too. Um, uh, where does it say gear? Okay. All right. Now, does this sound like somebody um, that is planning on dying uh, and not having a future? He's talking about, he goes in talking about the AK-47 and how the bullet penetrates and stuff like that. And he goes into a new paragraph and says, other gun, if I get one, AR-15, pretty much variation of the gun, doesn't heat up as fast as the AK-47. The round of this gun isn't designed to fragment. And it goes on and on. But those words, if I get one. Now, this is supposedly, according to the New York Times, this was uploaded um, just minutes before he went in and started shooting. So does that sound like somebody that's gonna, that's that's planning on dying in, in, a, in a gun conflagration, you know? Or somebody that, you know, is, is planning on living a few more days so that he can pick up an AR-15 or maybe a few years. Who knows? Um, well, and the thing is, David, he was uh seen walking in photographed walking in he's got ear protectors on he's got uh, a mask he's got he's got all these things to protect himself that's not a suicide mission guy i mean he's planning on living obviously uh and wanting to live in comfort Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's interesting that you brought that up um if i see if i can find it real quick because i don't want to waste a lot of time on this but um here he goes um uh, this physical separation would nearly limit the race mixing and improve social unity by granting each self to, uh, to self-determination within their respective territories. My death is likely inevitable. Okay. If I'm not killed by the police, then I'll probably be gunned down by one of the invaders. Okay. So right there, he's saying my death is likely inevitable. But like you said, he's wearing everything that he, you know, to protect his hearing and everything like he's going to live on after this, you know. So I think, and just it's my opinion that this is a false flag, and a false flag doesn't mean that it never happened. It means that it's something that's done to take our eyes off of something else. And well, real people died, yeah, definitely real people died. Yeah, but it's who, when, where, how, and why. Like Sandy Hook, how much is it even real? I mean, didn't you point out too that uh, he has different pants on? Yeah, he uh, supposedly, according to the video, he walked in with like almost like slacks, a T-shirt and looked like uh, a pair of slacks. Although, you know, I don't know what they wear these days. And another picture they had of him before they put him in a police car had him in uh, all those pants that have pockets all over them. Uh, I can't remember what they're called. Uh, uh, Yeah, but there's another name for him that uh, I don't know. But uh, uh, so anyway, the pants were different. And also there's eyewitnesses accounts of people uh, seeing other shooters that were dressed in black with black hoods on. Three of them. Yep. Yeah. So um, this story stinks to high heaven, just like the one down in uh, Las Vegas a couple of years ago now, uh, where all those people were shot at the Country Music Festival. Yep. And um, yeah, I did a whole article on that one. Um, <clears throat> you know, that, that, that was ridiculous. So anyway, there... This was obviously uploaded to his account from somebody who's able to do that. And uh, it was it was not his manifesto. It was somebody else's to make it look like his. So I'm not saying that he's innocent. 
Don't get me wrong. He he may have pulled the trigger, but I think he had a lot of help. And well, uh, go ahead. Trying to say he was a white supremacist, um, uh, Republican, radical, uh, right winger. When his voting record, which is public record, okay. his voting record, he's a Democrat. He voted and sided on everything on the left. He's a leftist Democrat. Mm-hmm. He's, they doctored up his um, uh, credentials to try to make him look like he was a radical right wing uh, Republican. Well, he, that, that, that happens quite a bit, actually. Uh, that's not the first time that they've been pl- politically affiliated with the opposite of what they're trying to project. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And the fact that he said, um, he's, what did he say up, up top? He said, uh, Oh, he was, he, he was for a whole bunch of environmental causes. And believe me, I am too. Um, I want to, I want to leave a nice planet for my, my grandkids and my kids, you know, but at the same time, you know, I, and he was talking about plastics and he was talking about corporations and believe me, I'm not pro corporation by any means, but, um, you know, a lot of the things that he mentioned were kind of like, um, uh, keywords that uh, you would read if you were reading uh, like an uh, Antifa site or something like that. And somebody even said that he might have been affiliated with Antifa. So, um, you know, there, there's another thing right there. So um, anyway, uh, I just wanted to bring that to light, you know, with, with everything that's going on, that there's there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Um, there there are things going on in government that uh, that Trump is trying to get done. And uh, there, there's a lot of dirty, <laughs> the, the Democrat debates. I mean, if you want to have a laugh, just watch those things. I mean, it's like dumb and dumber and dumbest and who could be dumber than dumber, dumber, They're dumbest. crazy. It's, it's like, <laughs> they're insane. They are. Hey, they, Eric, uh, yes. what, what does QAnon say about, didn't uh, Mark Taylor and QAnon both um, say that we would be, I mean, during this time right now, that there would be a bunch of false flags just before. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be hot spots, you know, basically kind of almost um, distractions and um, and, you know, even a little bit of, a, you know, eventually, you know, some civil unrest that will be isolated to particular areas. You know, it won't be widespread, but it'll, it will be um, isolated to particular areas. So um, just realize every time you see the false flags, realize that there's something else going on that they're trying to deflect. Uh, and distract the public from not to pay attention to. That's the key. You know, one of the things, how about the weather reports? Nobody's heard anything about the current recent weather just in the last four days. It's my, I mean, you know, you you hear everything about the democratic uh, convention or discussions, debates and everything. I mean, that's all you hear. And now with, uh, you know, with this latest shooting, um, but I don't hear anything about some very important news, like the double hurricane that was headed towards Hawaii. Now it did branch off, but still a double hurricane, all the seismic activity, all of the uh, volcanic activity. There was a volcano eruption um, in Italy, one in uh, Peru and another one in Venezuela, also with accompanying earthquakes. Earthquake seismic activity has been over a hundred and some earthquakes in the last couple of days in California. You don't hear anything about any of that stuff. All of these things are screaming out what happened in 2015, what happened in 2014 and 2011. These were three times when CERN was fired up in conjunction with the same weather patterns happening 
that actually I, my claim is opened up part of a laminated attempt or in parts of the pit into our world. So to me, this is an indication that sometime in September, something's going to happen. Are you talking and axis change, Jim, or what? Yes, yes. It, it, this is all the indications that the Earth is going through another axis shift like we had in 2011. We had in 20, I think it was 2015 and 2016. And overnight, we woke up. The first one, it was, um, oh, what was it? Um, well, I remember the moon looked all funky for a long time, remember? Yeah. It looked like yep. it, it had rotated on its axis. Yep. And, uh, that was, that yep. was the first time. That was a major, just a, a major weird thing. Now, and, and you know what we woke up to? All of a sudden, communism uh, was, was, um, not that big of a threat, but more important, socialism, the Democratic Party, come right out and boldly claim themselves to be socialists. All of a sudden, socialism overnight was just an acceptable thing. Overnight, yeah. the young generation, this is our new hope. My God, I'm a, you know, you and I are boomers and, and you're Gen X there, um, Eric. And, and like all of our lives, all of my life, that is the enemy. Socialism doesn't work. It destroys. It's the last decaying element of a democracy or of a of a republic that's in decline. Basically, what happened to every major civilization? Socialism never has worked, never will work. When you when they run out of other people's money, they start taxing the workers. They're the only ones that are working to and they'll tax you to death. And just ask Venezuela how wonderful socialism is. I mean, it's yeah. They're eating out of garbage cans and garbage trucks. It's a flipping nightmare. So, I mean, overnight, just literally overnight, we just accepted that this is the way it is. And of course, they flipped the switch. So, if you say anything against it, you're just you know, you're some kind of a Neanderthal knuckle dragging toad that doesn't you know keep up with the times. No, I, I've been in a world where socialism was our enemy, that we were sworn to an, an oath to fight it. Because it's the, the enemy from within, as Nikita Khrushchev once said. And some of you younger people are going to have to even look up and Google, find out. Don't Google. I'm not going to tell you the truth. Um, use a different, uh, an alternate uh, search engine, and you'll find out who Nikita Khrushchev is. He said, he, he was almost prophetic, because he knew what they had already initiated and operated. He said, your children... We won't have to take you, uh, invade you and attack you. We will take you from within. Your children will be our promoters. And it's talking about baby boners. You know what? The whole hippie movement and everything, we're here. That's the way it is. 1967, there was a, a person that had infiltrated the Bohemian Grove. And they were announcing all their plans, which are actually our reality today. So, I mean, these things were on the board, but they're literally, thank you, CERN, um, coming together. Now, the second thing that happened in 20, I think in 2014, 2015, was that overnight we wake up and all of a sudden same-sex relations are normal. You dare not say anything against it. And now every, I don't care if you turn on the travel channel, I don't care if you, whatever channel you put on. You're it's going, everywhere now. 
It's everywhere now on everything, especially, oh my gosh, especially science fiction, because they're associating their demise and plight with aliens that are misunderstood and, and uh, trying to do good. I mean, it's just, I am so sick of it. I, guys, I, I watch TV as an assignment so that I can relate to what people are being programmed to, but sometimes I have to just close my eyes and look away until certain scenes are done. Scenes that at one time were called pornography. I mean, my gosh, even it comes down to commercials. I don't watch TV except for when I have to in order to be able to relate to people that are being programmed, how and why and they're being programmed. But it just grieves me so much anymore. I just, I take no interest in it. Even some of the um, download places, um, Netflix, of course, you know, what they believe on uh, Christianity and conservatives, you kind of wonder why they're, they're really promoting a lot of spewed out crap from hell. So that was the second time. The third time overnight. And I mean, overnight, if you get upset, you're disgruntled, go into McDonald's, go into a church. It doesn't matter. Just whack everybody. And, and uh, it's okay. That's the way you do it. This never happened in our entire history in America ever. And now it seems to be the normal procedure. And of course they try to put the slant and twist on it. That it's, it's the crazy right. It's left and right, but it's actually most of the people that are doing it are from the left. They're trying to well, make it spin like it's from the right. Structurally, I mean, all you have to do is look at the family unit and the lack of God. Yes. And that's where it's at. There was a time, obviously a time before I was born, when the Ten Commandments, you know, were posted in every, every public school. And what was one of the commands? You shall not kill. That was taught. That was known. Now that's been ripped out. And there's a lot of people, a lot of kids with little to no guidance parental guidance and their uh, reality is really warped just because of all the the violence they witnessed through television media video games especially so they don't they don't they have no value for human life to begin with because there's no guidance there there's no there's the absence of god the psychiatric board uh, national american psychiatric board or whatever uh, recently announced that uh, according to their studies that uh, it's been shown or proven that uh, corporal punishment on children leaves derogatory effects later on in life. Oh, really? How come my Bible tells me that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will remove it far from them? Right. How come it says, train up a child in a way he shall go, and when he's old he shall not depart? How come it says, he that spareth the rod hateth his child? So all of a sudden you're smarter than God. Yeah, who it's clear instruction on how to conduct a kid is just foolish his heart his very nature is going to come to wrong conclusions why because he's not smart enough to understand he has to learn what does he have to learn no what does he automatically know me i want yeah. i want everything exactly. spins around him why because we have a sin nature now all these psychologists and highly educated, educated people will say that, oh, there is no sin nature. I can prove it very easily. I've done it so many different times. And the thing is, if we don't have a sin nature, right? Okay, so what happens if all of a sudden in any room at any given time, everybody could read each other's mind? Oh, that's terrible. How, how long would it take 
How long would it take for the whole place to break out into a riot? Not very long. Not very long at all. Well, and why? Because as a man thinketh, so is he. And from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, but we learn how to play it cool and, and adjust ourselves so we don't actually say what we think. But if everybody could read everybody's mind, this one guy's checking out his wife and, and just all the ungodliness. It would just, and it would break out in a brawl in seconds. That mm -hmm. is sin nature. We are naturally inclined to miss the mark. And that's what sin means, to miss the mark. So there's your sin nature. There was a fall. There was all kinds of stuff going on. And if you don't understand what God's perspective in the Bible has to say, it's a guidebook. It's a guidebook on everything and anything that's, that has to do with mankind. You ignore that, you start going crazy. Um, a lot of times we have different biblical stories. It gives us a, a, an actual description of what Ecclesiastes says. There's nothing new under the sun. It's been done before. Uh -huh. So we get scenarios of events this is what will happen if you try this, if you do this, if you do that. So every possible choice and circumstance is described in the Bible. It's not a book of myth. It's a book of reality. So when these idiots call themselves progressives, they're rejecting the main thing. There's nothing new on the sun. This has already been done before. You know what? Socialism doesn't work. You know what? Totalitarianism doesn't work. Corporate fascism doesn't work. None of this stuff works. You can't control people. Well, I mean, you were a Christian nation one time. You had everything governed by, you know, according to the Bible. No. Yeah. Well, we didn't do like the Muslims do. We don't kill the infidel, the unbeliever. We say that as a nation, if you will adhere to the moral standards that the Bible puts, you will be blessed as a nation that is coming into conformity to God's will, the Ten Commandments. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be a Christian. It means if you're willing to accept that as a nation, you will be judged as one honoring God and his ways, and you'll be blessed. But if you disobey and go contrary to it, you'll suffer the cursings. Mm -hmm. The cursings aren't given by God. It's given by your own stupidity and your willful ignorance that God's trying to warn you out of love. Look, this is not going to work, but I got a better way. Trust me. Believe in me. Believe on my promises and rest in them, and you won't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you have to convert death to the infidel. It just means obey the moral ethical principles behind it. I can show you why this works. I can show you why it doesn't work. And those examples are in the Bible for us to learn and know so that we don't have to learn the hard way. Exactly. Well, you know what? The reset that is going to happen is going to make no gray-shaded area to hide in. You're going to be in one camp or the other camp, nothing in between. Mm -hmm. I am anxious. I am. I can't wait for it. I'm like a kid at Christmas waiting for Santa to come. Only it ain't Satan, uh, Santa Claus. It's Jesus Christ. Right. He is going to set a reset. He is going to bring, destroy the gray shaded area, and you're going to be one camp or the other camp. And for me. That's a good thing. And you guys, I know that you're not too much worried about it either, because those that have been sowing to the kingdom of God are going to start reaping what they have sown. Mm -hmm. And those that are Christian or non-Christian, and those who have self-willed, done their own thing, well, you're going to be exposed for who you are, what you are, and you're going to suffer some loss. 
doesn't mean that you're, you know, God's going to wipe you out. It just means that God's beckoning and calling you to get it right so that you can get it right in this life and not in eternity right. and so for all of eternity. But Jim, there are some, there are some Amen. nefarious types out there, <laughs> oh, um, especially yeah, in, in, uh, in Christendom or, you know, they, they purport to be Christians anyway, whether they are only the Lord knows, uh, but their fruits simply does not, uh, uh, bear up, bear up to that fact, and, and Jesus did say you, you would know people by their fruit. Um, but uh, you and I have had our, our share of people that have been detractors and and uh, tried to bring us down and tried to um, you know defame us and stuff like that. And the the one the one big difference is though, and, and I think the fact that you and I never were really really worried that much about it was that um, when it all comes down to push and shove, it's it's who's your daddy. You know, and uh, in our ministries, at least I, I like to think and, and it's been proved out, you know, by the way we've been protected that, you know, God, if he's got something for you to do and you're doing it, then he's going to protect you. He's going to fight for you. And, and and we've had, you know, many instances of that happening. People that have been detractors are no longer around or or their supposed ministries are basically been torn down and. Uh, and though they tried to put them back together, it still doesn't happen. And, uh, you know, and normally that that's something that would make me feel really good. And it does in a way because, you know, justice has been served uh, and hopefully repentance is forthcoming. But at the same time, you feel bad because, you know, people either don't want to learn or can't learn from their, from their past mistakes. And we know from Ecclesiastes chapter one that, you know, there's always going to be people that go around and, and make the same errors over and over and over again. And by the way, I was going to say when you were talking earlier, that's um, basically how you can tell if somebody's sane is or insane is if they try to do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Um, and that's that's what the uh, you know uh, what we see with with socialism. You, I, fr- frankly, when when I saw the Soviet Union fall. I was like, okay, this is great. Now, you know, uh, they they were uh, supporters of Cuba, so now Cuba is probably going to fall, you know, and and uh, maybe the Chinese will even become, you know, uh, come out of communism and go into a better form of uh, governance. But uh, it never it never happened, and it's because you know the like the red Chinese, and they're still red and they're still Chinese. They uh, they they think that what the Russians couldn't do, they can do. But you can see them moving slowly towards some kind of um, technocratic maybe or authoritarian sort of democracy. I, it's, it's really well, you weird. Know, when they gave Hong Kong up, that opened the gates for free enterprise. So right. whether they think they're communism or not, they stopped being communism uh, when that opened up. And they became, like you, you said, it's kind of a strange mismatch merging of, of a certain amount of totalitarian democracy. It almost sounds like a, a a dichotomy, but I mean, in a yeah. strange way, they are. But what also happened with that? The biggest revival anywhere. That's right. There. So I mean, if if the evangelical outpouring God's Spirit continues on in China, they're going to be the next Christian nation uh, compared to the United States. How we are declining and how they're gaining, they're going to be the ones. Uh, that are going to be more of a Christian nation than we are. 
Yeah. It's interesting to me, though, you know, why is that? It's because of um, the great persecution that the Chinese now suffer for Christianity. Yep. It's, it seems with persecution, um, there's massive expansion of the gospel. Because hypocrites don't die for something that they don't believe in, correct? Right. Exactly. And there's there's really no, not there is and there isn't, but in terms of uh, the cost in the United States for being a Christian is much much lower than it is to be a Christian in a nation like China, where you can be killed for, right. for what you believe in. Here no. you'll be you'll be ostracized and stuff like that, but you're not always necessarily facing the the physical violence of being you know, killed for it yet. Yet, I say, but. Well, I get, I get this all the time from a lot of people. They'll, they'll say, well, you guys are so, you know, you're, you're so inconsistent with what you say. I mean, how come, how come it is I hear from some uh, evangelists and Christians that are saying that uh, there's all these horrible things about to befall on the earth. And then others that say that all this wonderful stuff is going to happen. Well, see, you're standing outside trying to look in and understand something you have no comprehension of. History shows within church history that the church begins to thrive only under persecution. Right. So they're both right. One is seeing one side of the situation, the person, the 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 negative things that are happening, but you're not understanding. There's another side that in that negativeness is when the real true people like you said eric are going to die for their beliefs so there's a great shaking up peter said that everything that isn't founded on him is going to be shook up it's going to be revealed for what it is um the, another part in that same text it says that let let him that is ungodly remain ungodly let him that is is godly to remain godly so there's going to be a division wheat and tares sheep and goats and right. some as much as we want to have compassion or understanding, and we should, because love is the only way to, to win out in any of these situations. And that's impossible for us humans to do. So we have to be willing to be willing to stand aside and let God do through us what we are not capable of doing ourselves. When we understand that, it's so much easier because we don't have to try to make ourselves love our enemies. God can do it through us if we just surrender to him and say, look, I can't do this. You're going to help me, God, because I I don't want to do it. I can't do it. But I give you permission to work in me to let you do it through me. And then he can do it. But there's are some, and God will give us a discernment on that. Let them go. Mm-hmm. Let them go. Let them go. And by their own words, by their own deeds, they're going to trip themselves up. They're reprobate. They've sold themselves out. They have a hard heart like Pharaoh. They're not going to change. They're going to die. And there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. But just let them go ahead and trap themselves. Uh, Dave, what was the main thing when we were, I mean, man, we were getting beat up by some people. One one of the guys that we worked with, my God, he was a, a disinforming agent working for the government. I yeah. don't know what under name, but I mean, um, what did God keep telling us to do? No, do nothing, actually. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Bingo. Nothing. Don't defend yourself. Don't bring this up. Don't get caught into gossip. Don't feel like you have to... Um, justify let it go say nothing right. you know, what was the hardest thing in the world to do to do that <laughs> to, to do that but, you know but guess what we did it didn't we uh-huh uh-huh 
even today, right now, we're not going to name names or get involved in anything. It's just, it is what it is. They will be found out. And in a sense, they have, which is almost funny, because, I mean, it was some pretty outrageous, crazy uh, twists that were trying to be said. Right. And through the years of remaining silent and being obedient to God, you know, uh, it's like the little story of the, the frog and the scorpion, where the scorpion uh, convinces the frog to let to let him crawl on the back and and uh, swim over to the other side of the lake. So they get halfway in the middle of the lake, and the scorpion snaps the frog and kills him. And before the frog dies, he says, why did you do that? And he says, I'm sorry, it's in my nature. I couldn't help it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that's they always do that. That's why we're seeing the craziness right now that the left is and the right that are coming against Trump mm-hmm. because he's not been bought out. He doesn't have anybody's hand in his pocket. And even Christians that say, oh, yes, he does. Gosh, there's even some Christians that say he's the Antichrist. Well, you know what? You're going to find out very soon that he's going to give, be given an opportunity to make America great again. Doesn't mean that we're going to un- instantly become a Christian nation. It means that we're going to start honoring God's moral ethical principles and because of that we will be blessed as a nation and the contrary opposite to that surprisingly isn't necessarily russia china or any other nation it's the united nations Uh Uh and i see a day when we're gonna when we're gonna boot them off of our country and say go back to the plains of shinar you want to you want to play uh global police not in this country you aren't yeah, that's where I think Obama will survive to be the general secretary of the United Nations because he was never a loving American that cares about America. You know, all the videos that got that were hate speech were either about Adolf Hitler or or um, um, Obama. The, that reason I got my you know channel removed from uh, YouTube. I think that's comical, you know, and I, I captured a snapshot of all of them so that you, by the code number, you can see what specific ones they said were hate speech. So I, poor Jim, I'm picking on poor misunderstood Hitler or poor misunderstood uh, Obama, who actually betrayed this country time and time again over treason, putting our enemy in top sensitive spots that that are still here today, right yeah. now. Obamacare, yeah. it's still in action right now. And, you know, the funny thing, Jim, is if Hitler had taken over, there would be no YouTube, there would be no Facebook, there would be none of those things right. that this country has been so, they, they've been so blessed to acquire because they live in this country and in a free society, you know? So it's just like the, it's like the, um, like the story you told before, uh, the, the, the part you didn't mention is that the, uh, the scorpion would drown too. You know, oh, yeah. because he was he was hitching a free ride and he killed yep. his ride, you know, <laughs> and that's what uh, there, there's a little illustration. Um, and it can it can be applied to many things. And in this instance, it's applied to uh, <clears throat> to uh, Europe and uh, Islam. And it's um, uh, a, a guy sitting there with a noose around his neck tied to a really small tree and a watering can watering the tree. You know, the watering can, can is uh, is called Islam, you know, and, you know, yeah, it doesn't hurt right now. The, the noose is, is around your neck, but it's not tight. But someday if that they keep watering that tree, that tree's going to grow up and that branches that's, you know, you're tied to right there is going to, 
is going to become a big branch and it's going to keep uh, making that noose tighter and tighter and tighter until it finally cuts you off and uh, you die, you know, and, and that's what uh, these, these, some of these, well, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to include in this, uh, what uh, Christians that, that listen to some of these false teachers and some of these people that are going to be revealed really soon. Um, and also to, to secular people that, uh, that hold to uh, communism and socialism. Yeah, it sounds really good even though it hasn't worked anywhere and everybody that's ever been under it says, no, don't do it. You know, I was, I was working um, in a pharmacy years ago and this is about the time that Obama got elected. It tells you how long ago it was, but, um, so, uh, <clears throat> there was this guy that was delivering and he was from one of the Baltic countries. I think it was, uh, Belarus. I think yeah, it was Belarus. And he came in and he had a newspaper with him and I he he looked angry and I go what's going on I push I can't remember his name it's not important but I so he showed me the newspaper he goes you know he says I grew up under this he says I came to this country to get away from this and then he hits the paper with the back of his hand he goes and now this you know and what he was saying is you know what they tried it where I lived it didn't work and now these idiots are going to try it and it's not going to work again and I came here to get away from it now I'm going to have to live under it again. Yeah, you know, so yeah. um, it's it's a shame that you know people. Uh, why why Bernie Sanders has any credence whatsoever in anything with Venezuela going on right now, you know, because that's that's what he wants to turn his country into is Venezuela. Um, the, sad, the sad thing is the younger generation, uh, the millennials and and even younger, have been fed this idea, and it's in everything now. <laughs> Just like the gay lesbian agenda is there, it so is the political agenda that socialism somehow is the new hope. Right. Um, it's in every pro. It's it's in saturated in so many different programs. It's like behind the scenes. It 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 gets into my gosh everything from Supergirl to um, just everything. It's yeah. it's just there everywhere and. And it makes capitalism look like it's just a, a filthy, rich, greedy kind of a thing. Capitalism is awesome. It's the best thing. It's it's what made America great. But most, it's the 1984 newspeak. Right. To where they have different definitions to everything. Capitalism is something that a millennial has no clue of. That right. he, um, Gen X doesn't really know too much because they've never lived with it. And even boomers. Now, I was born in 1951. If you're... Well, maybe a little bit younger than, than you, Dave. You don't remember living or working in a capitalist environment because right. it died about, mm, I'd say, maybe around 1974, 75, uh -huh. uh, right about the death pangs of capitalism as we know it. What is being passed off as capitalism now <clears throat> is corporate fascism. And guess what, millennials? I hate that just as much as you do. That's but that right, is not too. capitalism. Mm -hmm. I hate corporate fascism. Yeah, we had in Michigan, we had a governor um, that just got, you know, uh, voted out. And uh, um, what's her name? Fix the damn roads, gal. Uh, she's she's the one that's uh, in now. Um, she's a communist, whether she knows it or not. She is definitely a socialist uh, by all means. But um, he was a corporate fascist. He was not. He was not a capitalist. Uh huh. I knew it, and I warned everybody. I said, you know, we're headed for trouble with this guy. And we got trouble. Right. So, um, 
you know, it's it's not I'm not partial left or right. You know, the corruption is so deep. That's why Trump has a hard time. Just he can't eliminate everything overnight. We are been so infiltrated. It goes all the way back to the end of World War Two. We're so infiltrated in this country that he would traumatize this country if we removed everything right now. The infrastructure would fold and collapse. He has to peel it off like layers a little bit at a time. He exactly. has to pick and choose when, where, and how. If you actually lived in a um, capitalist situation, and I'm, capitalism, I love it. I've had, I've owned, I can't believe how many different types of businesses I've owned um, through my lifetime. And in each time, the government did not, could not, would not interfere. I could exercise my free right to have a company, corporation, um, a, a business that was compatible and convenient at the time for me to be um, self-supporting in, in ministry. And by doing both, I didn't have to be accountable to a denomination or to anything else. I pretty much had freedom to come and go and say what I want, when I want, where I want. And I'm mm-hmm. out. You guys know that. And, I, and that's what I do. So I love the fact that government could not micromanage my business or tell me or where I couldn't go. Now, the the wake-up call for a lot of you youngsters that want socialism, you know, if you want to be, uh, let's say, a doctor, and you think you're just going to go wherever you want, no, the state is going to tell you where you can go and where you can't go right. to practice mm-hmm. and how you can practice and when you can. I mean, they micromanage everything. You want that? I don't. Um, it doesn't work. Right, right. Wait till they find out. I mean, it's just... We're more in common. I know the concerns you have, and I agree with you on most of them. But you, what you don't understand is you've been passed a bill of bad goods. What your definition that uh, you're told what capitalism is, is what corporate fascism is. I hate right. corporate fascism as much as you do. Exactly. You've never lived in a world where true capitalism exists, where a man's uh, handshake meant something years ago right and a geeky person that that owned a uh a place manufacturing gears really liked gears really enjoyed doing what he did and so he'd look to see other people who enjoyed the same and like-minded and if you had good work ethics a good sense of teamwork next thing you know they're paying your education to be their engineer for four or five years in the contract you never could have done that on your own but that is what America was strong on. My God, people, we did something in World War II that had never been accomplished in all of history of mankind written down. We fought every country that ever got engaged in a two-front war lost because they could not logistically get stuff to the place we needed in both places at, at the same time. The United States of America in World War II fought two wars on five different fronts and provided two other allies through the Lend-Lease program with with manufactured products. Why? Because we had a system that outproduced, outdid everything. What Germany would make in a year, we could do in a month. Right. Never been done before. And that was free enterprise capitalism that did it. That's what made America great. We're going to give, be given an opportunity. Right now, if we even tried to get ourselves initiated, our enemies from within, after World War II, has stripped down every element 
of manufacturing to make sure that we couldn't do this now. They shamed the blue-collar uh, technical worker into thinking this is what losers do. No, that is what winners did to win the war. Right. And they do it. And so they've stripped it down and made somebody ashamed of being able to have a skilled trade. You know, skilled trade people aren't really all that dumb. I mean, some of them have to use higher math. If you're a machinist, mm -hmm. you got to be pretty precise on a lot of things. If you're a layout man, you got to know trig and, <coughs> and uh, uh -huh. other technical stuff. That's just a mechanic is just as technical as a doctor. One is dealing with machines. The other one is dealing with the human body. Both of them have technology and uh, higher math and other levels of, of understanding that um, should actually be equal. But right. our enemies made us to be ashamed of one and promote the other. It's just well, they, what our weaknesses are. The, the education system has proved that to be a fallacy now because I know that uh, – out here, we have a lot of commercials for schools that are, are opening up. Um, actually, in some of the high schools, they're starting to open up programs that, that uh, they're bringing shop class back, auto shop. They're bringing things like that back. And, and uh, some of the community colleges, and there are specialized schools that are starting to teach uh, the trades again, carpentry and things like that. And they're finding out that these guys are getting out of class. They're going to work, and they're making more at a, at a trade like that than some person with a master's degree that's flipping burgers at mcdonald's because there's no need for his uh, position anymore and and you got to admit that you know how, how many positions are there you know for uh, let's just say for uh, women fem, for feminist studies and or or uh you know other things that uh, are basically social in nature and uh you know they're, they're they're disappearing by the wayside you know and it's just it's, it's incredible to watch, you know, that uh, the guy that's out there plumbing is making fifty, sixty dollars an hour, while the, the person that's graduated from uh, from college with a, a very high degree, maybe even a PhD, can't get work, and they're and they're uh, mopping floors and flipping burgers, working two or three jobs. Plus, they got you know hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans to pay off. So it's you know, it's 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 really miraculous to watch how this is all turning around, you know, because the people that were shamed now are, are starting to realize that, hey, uh, there's no shame in what I'm doing. And and, you know, Bob over there who who went to school for eight years is uh, has got me doing three menial labor jobs while I'm, you know, going to work from uh, eight in the morning till four thirty in the afternoon. And I have weekends off and I got better coverage than he'd ever have. As a matter of fact, Bob over there is on the Oregon Health Plan. You know, Obamacare, Oregon style. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, it's real interesting to see how that that's all turned around. Now, there are you know there are some very quite a few wor worthy and uh, jobs that people get when they when they go to college, and and very noble ones too. You know, <clears throat> but uh, I think for the most part, if you're going to strike out in that endeavor, you you know you should uh, plan on starting your own business or something like that, like you know, doctors and, and lawyers, they get into their own practice. I think that uh, people like counselors and stuff like that are probably going to be doing the same thing or at least working for a low wage until they get uh, better established. But uh, there are just some jobs out there, you know, social studies, you know. Um, yeah, it might be nice to know how people's, how society works and everything, but society changes all the time. So the minute that you get out of school, you're, your um, your education is null and void because we've gone from capitalism to socialism, 
you know, or gone from socialism to communism, and you studied capitalism, you know. <laughs> so, <clears throat> real quick, your well, your your uh, education can go right down the toilet. Well, and I think you know, some invariably they they woke up and realized, oh my gosh, in this younger generation, we don't have enough grunts to do the the tasks that we once thought was menial. If we don't have that, we don't have, you know, what's this next generation going to do? We can't all have humanities uh, uh, courses and running. We got to have grunts that know how to put things together because we don't know how to do it anymore. That's right. And, and so there's, you know, so they have to make it more attractive, more appealing. Well, they're trying to do it under a, a socialist um, context, but that's, it's impossible. It, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Um People work to enhance their own families, to enhance their own living, not to work for some idealistic common good. I mean, I'm sorry that just there's a certain practicality to that. And again, it goes back to reaping and sowing. You know, when when I had a plan, when I got my degree in welding, and I didn't particularly like welding, but I wanted to uh, I wanted to get into something else. But when I found out as a biologist and I had bad counseling, I wanted to be uh, a biologist. And I found out that uh, a senior biologist made uh, with 10 years, ex- uh, 10 years experience and a uh, master's degree or yeah, master's degree uh, made as much as my, at that time, my future brother-in-law made who barely graduated high school uh, as a welder was making more than that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Maybe I'll get into the metallurgical aspect or something and, you know, make some money because I knew I had the ability to to learn stuff. So I got involved in that. Well, you know, long story short, I, I finished up my degree and I thought, OK, I know that I'm applying to this job here and they're going to find out I got a degree and you got a degree. They're going to harass me. I'm going to be the object of every kind of setup to, you know, to be made a fool. So I got to counter that. What am I going to do? Well, okay, I got a degree, but you know what? I'm not as good. I know got I got a lot of theory and a lot of uh, understanding, but I don't have the practical application. So I'm going to develop a plan. In 10 years, I'm going to be running a supervisor. I'm going to be running my own shop or having my own business. Right. So this is how I'm going to do it. So I go in the first job I got, big job. Um, I went into this place. I was working for a steel company and, um, I, I came in and I asked everybody who was the best welder in this whole shop. And they told me, so I went up to that guy and I said, look, I know you guys know I got a college degree education, but I'm not even going to pretend that I know or have experience. But I heard that you are the best welder in this shop. If you will teach me all your tricks and all your secrets, I'll get your coffee. I'll be your servant. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I want to know what you know. Now, mm-hmm. this guy was so impressive. Here's this college guy not pretending to be, you know, knowing everything, but actually is willing to submit himself to me. This guy actually recognizes, you know, now this guy, he was a good old boy from Kentucky, had about a third grade education, but this guy was good. Right. You know what? Three months, I learned everything I needed to learn. Mm-hmm. And I left a job. I went on to another job. I went in that shop, did the same thing, only who's the best spitter in this whole shop? I don't know who the best fitter was. Said the same thing to him. About three months, learned everything I needed to go. Next thing, I got a job in an ornamental iron shop as a layout man. 
wanted to find out who's the best layout man in the shop. Did the same thing. You know, within 10 years, I was positioned to go ahead and move into middle upper management. I had it all planned out. I was, you know, this is what I was going to do. Then I got saved and the Lord had totally different plans for me. (laughs) But in the long run, the thing is, the more you learn, the more you earn. That is a capitalistic principle. It's not self-centered. It's not selfish. You're taking care of your family, but you're not being preoccupied. Hopefully, if you're balanced out, you know, it's just a, it's something that is even biblical. The more you learn, the more you earn. So you don't stop learning. You don't stop with this idea, well, that's not my job. The idea is, hey, if you've got an opportunity to learn something more, be a servant. Right. Go ahead and help this person out, even though it's not your job, because you're learning something new that you didn't know before. And it'll it'll count for something later down the road. And it has. So that's why, you know, people are amazed. Well, you know, I can work in uh, as an artist. I can work in rock, wood, um, metal, just about everything because I was willing to learn more things when I had the opportunity. I wouldn't right. say that's my job. So it's having that mental attitude that once existed in America, all over, everywhere. It was just part of our culture. That's the way we approached everything. Now everybody is entitled. They think they're special. They, you know, well, that's not my job. I don't have to do this. I don't, man, you know, even in social media, the whole way our, our structure is, it works opposite against all of that. So we become isolated to the point where we don't even know how to carry on it. The younger generation doesn't even know how to carry on a face-to-face conversation with anybody. That's why they'd rather text than to talk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But slick, man. He knows how to get in there and just keep us from doing what's meaningful. And what the bottom line is relational. Everything is built upon a relationship, eye-to-eye, face-to-face, not texting. Right, right. You know, Jim, you brought up a very important word that I really, I really love this word. It's called servant. A servant attitude. And and I think that one of the things that, you know, that we, we purpose to get on about tonight is that um, we need to have that even when we think we know everything, because when we think we know everything, we still don't because only God knows everything. <laughs> and and sometimes and I, I've had it creep up on me, too, before. So I'm not speaking like I'm, you know, uh, Dave never did anything wrong, you know, but, um, you know, Sometimes people, when they when they they get a niche, let's say um, a ministry niche or you know a niche in a corporation or something, they team they, they tend to get uh, uh, a haughty attitude, you know. And I've seen it happen in, in Christian circles a lot of times. People get a haughty attitude, you know that that uh, hey look what I am, you know. And, and you and I have run into several of those people, and. <clears throat> You know, from things we've read recently, there's there's evidently more of those people out there that, that have a haughty attitude and, um, you know, and think that uh, just because of what they know. And, and, you know, gnosis, if you look up gnosis, it means knowledge. It means knowing. And a lot of people out there have, have head um, gnosis, but they don't have heart gnosis. And that's what God wants us to have. What does he say in Scripture? The person that he can use has a constraint. Uh, a broken spirit and a contrite heart or a humble spirit and a contrite heart. All those words, you know, kind of fit into the same mold. But, but the minute that, that people start losing that, um, God has a way of 
he'll do one of two things. He'll, he'll first he'll pr- probably try to knock you on your rear end. He'll try to talk to you first. Let's put it that way. Uh, Holy Spirit will talk to you, and he might send some people to talk to you. You know, just to say, hey, you know, uh, did you did you realize this? You know, and and and, and if a person's honest, they'll say, you know what, you know, I've I've felt the Holy Spirit telling me that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go into prayer. I'm going to shut everything off for a while, go into prayer and, and see what happens, what the Lord tells me. And if you're right, I'll come back and tell you and I'll thank you. And if you're wrong, I'll, I'll let you know that too. But um, most of the time, <laughs> they're right. Um, but, uh, so, but, you know, there are people that, you know, even even though God talks to them, sends somebody to, somebody to talk to them, then maybe sends two brothers to talk to them. You know, we're talking that whole Matthew 18 thing that we, we, talked about years ago um you know and and even if the church talks to them they're not wrong because you know hey you know let's let's just use the research community the christian research community you know well i'm a specializer in this particular area you know nobody knows more than i do about this particular area so i'm you know head honcho top dog and everything else about this and anybody that that thinks that they have something different i'm just going to shut them down you know and I've seen it time and time again. I know you have, and Eric, I know you have too. And uh, man, what a terrible place to be in, you know, because there is going to come a day when, you know, everyone's going to be accountable. You know, we're all going to stand in front of, the, front of the, the same Lord and Savior that, you know, we all share, that being Jesus. And the books are going to be open, and, and we're going to be shown what we did that was fruitful and everything that we did that, that won't be destroyed by uh, moss and rust and uh, um, I can't remember the third one. Um, we'll, we'll stand on that day, and everything that, that's not will fall on that day. And, um, you know, I just it just really frustrates me sometimes, I think, because, you know, we've seen it so much, and... And the people that are, are doing things like that nowadays have seen it happen to other people. Yet, um, as human beings, I'm not even going to say as Christians, but as human beings, um, we tend to think it's always going to happen to the other guy, that the other guy's wrong, that the other guy is going to be the one that's taking a task or something. And I'm not doing anything wrong. You know, you and I still have, have been, Jim, and still, and I know, Eric, you feel this way too. If we're wrong, tell us, please. Because we want to know if we're wrong. We want if if the Lord is telling you to tell us that we're wrong, we want to look into it. We want to see, you know, pull back and say, "Hey, Lord, you know, show me. Is this guy or woman that's telling me this? Are they right? You know?" And because I would rather be proven wrong and humiliated here on earth than than to lose out on rewards or you know or or hearing um, the, the degree of excitement in the Lord's voice at, at that time when he says, well done, good and faithful servant, you know, um, I don't know if he'll have degrees that he says that at, you know, if he'll say, well, you know, you did a good job, you know, go ahead and enter. Or if he'll, you know, some people he'll say, you know, you did a fantastic job or well done, good and faithful servant, go and enter into my rest, man. Just go right over there and wait for me, you know, and I want to be the last guy. You know, the last guy that I just described, you know, I don't want to be the one that says, well, where he says, well, you know, you, you did a good job and, and, you know, welcome. And um, now I don't know if that's his character or not. You know, um, I do know that we're going to receive certain amount of rewards according to what we've done. And believe me, if you're doing it for rewards, then, you know, you need to have a talk with the Lord to begin with. 
because that's what we're not doing it for. We're doing it to save souls. We're doing it to get people out of uh, hardship and um, and do what the Bible says to help the widows and the orphans and the and the fatherless and you know people that are um, that are not saved are fatherless. They might have dads in this world, but they don't have the Almighty Father uh, who they really need. And um, so that you know the fatherless part and and the widow and the orphan part basically fall into that too. Uh, you know, the, the unsaved people of the world, um, a lot of people are, are, uh, are orphans, uh, spiritually speaking and, uh, and, uh, widows also, but, um, it's, so that's the people that we're ministering to. And we're also ministering to the, the believers that have been dejected and rejected and, and have, um, been castigated for, for no really good reason. Uh, those who are under attack by the enemy, uh, whether it be alien abduction or, or, or psychic uh, harassment or, or whatever, you know, spiritual harassment. Um, that's what we're, we're here for. You know, we're not here to say, oh, wow, hey, hey, I brought another person into it. And that's one of the things, you know, I made a list and I left a stupid piece of paper in the other room. But, you know, you got to watch out for people that say, because um, uh, I remember reading this one article that we've, we've all read it recently. And this one person says, well, you don't know how many people I've led to the Lord. Well, first of all, you didn't leave it, lead anybody to the Lord because Jesus said that nobody comes to me unless the Father draws him. Okay, so first of all, that's that's a that's a bad statement right there. And second of all, we don't lead people to the Lord. They're led and then we introduce them. You know, we say, hey, you know, okay, you've come this far. Now I want you to know about my Lord. I want you to know about, you know, why he needed to die, why um, he went through all the, the bruising, the beating, the crown of thorns and everything else. It was because you and me basically are, are scum, you know. And and he had to do that to save scum. And and just think of the, the the Lord of the universe, the one that created heaven and earth and and the heavens and the universe and everything that we can see and touch and feel. He's the one that came down and died for us, you know. And and so you know, for a person to say, well, you know, look at how many people I've led to the Lord, you know. And and I know we say that sometimes. And and, and if a person's got a good heart. You know, we, we are actually saying that, you know, that the Lord led them and, and, and stuff. But there are some people that actually believe that, you know, that they're they're the main crux of the whole process. And no, they're not. It's Jesus that's the crux of the whole process. And crux means cross. But um, anyway, so, you know, when you see start seeing things like that, you know, uh, or look what I've done or, or uh, you know, um, I know this and you don't. Or, uh, and, and my favorite one is, uh, and you and I have experienced this personally, well, you know, since you've you've said something about what I did wrong, now I'm going to sue you. You know, uh, and you know what's miraculous, Jim, is that that never happened because the Lord always had our backs. You yep. know, and you know, uh, Daniel, in Daniel 11th chapter, gives us a hint of the very thing that we're confronted with today. It says that... Um, and that he shall seduce many with flatteries, and meaning the Antichrist. And so when I say Antichrist, I'm talking about the Antichrist system. Anybody that's actually following or adhering to that system. This is, so they're going to seduce people by flattering. So it isn't just by direct uh, intimidation or uh, fear factor or anything. It's by seduction, by flattery. Telling you what you want to hear, giving you opportunity that you didn't have before, manipulating and controlling, promising you 
you know, all these things. I'm powerful. I'm influential. I can give you this. I can give you that. You've never had this opportunity before, but now I can give it to you. But they that know their God shall do exploits and be strong. So enemy's going to come in and try to seduce many people. Right. But if you know your God, and by knowing your God, meaning an intimate personal relationship, not knowing about God. Mm-hmm. Knowing about God is going to get you into trouble. You can know about him, but do you know him personally? Right. And if you know him personally, you can utilize the situation, exploit it for the kingdom of heaven. So in that sense, it's it's actually God saying, you can be greedy for me. You can be greedy to want to put your energy, efforts, and everything into the kingdom of heaven. But the way you do it is you let me do it because you can't do it. Mm-hmm. So if you're willing to be my servant and you know me, you know my mind, you don't have to ask for clarity on a lot of things. You already know my mind. You know what I'm wanting, you, expecting you to do. You understand the kingdom way of doing things. Uh, I guess maybe one example is, you know, I was, I was given emergency provisions more than enough than I, than I needed. Uh, for hard times. My wife and I, I mean, we lived in a mobile home park. We had, um, my gosh, what do we have? 36, six gallons of emergency provisions, um, freeze-dried food. Um, I told her to do the math and figure it out because this is crazy. We can't, I mean, I can't tarp this off in my driveway. It's taking up the whole driveway. <laughs> and uh, So we did the math and it actually, for her, immediate family and my immediate family, it came to about two months supply, exactly what David Wilkerson was saying that you're going to need in this, what I think we're on the eve of for a short time. So half of them wanted it, half of them didn't. They thought it was, you know, actually her side of the family, they thought I was a kook and a nut and they didn't want, you know, nothing to do with it. Until about two years later when everything that I'd been saying was starting to happen and they said, you got any more of that stuff? No, I'm sorry, we gave it all away. Uh And now, I was also storing other food for the same, you know, situation in the future sometime. Now, I had a friend who had 10 kids, Thanksgiving. He had just gotten laid off from his job. Wonderful guy. Um, I, I just remember figured, him. Yeah. 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 John, John Guy, who, yeah. who now is the president of the, the ministry that I once had, um, the King's Kids, the bike ministry. Well, he got laid off. And so, you know, I, I called up, I prayed and I called up and I said, Hey, John, I, I'm going to bring over some food for you. I took the entire pantry of stuff that I had collected almost a year and took it over to him. And my wife said, well, what are you doing? I thought that was, you know, you were saving that for emergency. And I said, yeah, I'm still saving. She said, what do you mean? And I said, I don't need, how can I stand before God? And say that I was saving this for some hypothetical emergency that I know is going to happen someday, but I don't know when. When here I have a brother, a friend, a godly man who has just lost his job. He's down in the dumps trying to figure out things that are going on, has nothing for Thanksgiving. I don't think it takes lightning bolts from heaven to understand that I'm going to invest God's way. I'm going to give him everything I have. This will cheer him up a little bit, maybe encourage him to continue on, to press on, to stand firm in his faith. And you know what? 
when I have a need, God's going to back me up. Now, it's not, I'm not doing this, you know, name it, claim it, frame it kind of stuff. I just understand his mind. I understand his heart. I understand this is the right thing to do. When I'm going to need it, God's going to be there to give it to me. This is the way we do things or the way we should do things. It could be self-perpetuating if we just did it that way. And you know what, Dave? I mean, you know, right now, like in the situation I'm in with this uh, museum that I'm trying to set up, I had my plans. It didn't work out. I thought I was going to have like $1,500 to invest in my store, and I didn't. But the Lord just told me, take one task at a time, and I will provide. So that's all I'm doing, one task at a time. Now I'm maybe a couple of weeks away from opening. I look around. I look around and I look at how everything came together and I marvel. It's like, man, this isn't even part of the original plan. Lord, you've just overdone yourself. I mean, this is awesome. So Mm -hmm. a time when I need it, the provisions are there. God makes it so, so, I mean, you know, understanding some of this stuff is pretty complex, especially prophetic kind of things. You know, obviously, if if uh, America was so clearly described in the scriptures, if it was good, everybody's going to name it America. If it was bad, nobody would name it America. So God has to encrypt certain things so that those with eyes to ear, uh, eyes to hear, eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand, he can unlock it, as he did disciples, as he does with us today. Everybody else, over their head. That's right. So. But when he's doing a personal touch from him, he makes it so simple even a child can understand it. Right. So he uses word pictures and a lot of other things, but he makes it simple and easy. It doesn't have to be rocket science. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about the Lord. I mean, it it is easy. So in healing and restoration, it's very simple. But unfortunately, too many Christians don't understand the difference. The need to study to show yourself approved, a workman that needs not be ashamed. Needs not be ashamed literally means, it literally means not to be embarrassed. It means to be without hope, without purpose, without confidence, right. without power. See, he made it a three-step easy method. Love God before everything and anything else. Mm-hmm. And when you love your neighbor, you yes. are loving God. Yes, because you're fulfilling his, what he told you to do. <laughs> believe his promises. Believe his word. Mm-hmm. And then rest on it. Right. You don't have to be anxious for anything. My little alter ego is uh, Alfred E. Newman. What, me worry? Yeah. That's attitude through all of this stuff, man. It's mm-hmm. going to hit the fan. It's going to be weird. It's going to look like hell's breaking loose on it. And it is. Mm-hmm. But in the midst, what does the scripture say? that upon this rock I shall build my church. He was talking about the rock being him. Right. And even the gates of hell should not prevail against it. Somehow the devil has got us all turned around. We think we're hunkered down, you know, in his fort, and the enemy is attacking the gates and coming against us. No. The gates of hell should not prevail against us, the church. Why? Because we know our God and we're doing exploits. We're kicking in the gates of hell, and then we're literally exploiting the situation we're taking those that were destined maybe even looked like they were destined to go to hell and we're pulling them out and we're taking an enemy and converting them into a brother and sister in christ it doesn't get more powerful than that and it's only by love Mm -hmm. not by anything else or love that we can't do on our own we just got to agree with god romans 8 28 he can make all things work together for good you know 
there's a condition there that people don't, people just think it's on autopilot. Oh, God will make it all work out. No, he's not going to interfere with your free will. That's the most powerful thing that he's given us. Right. You can choose to blow it or you can choose to do it. <clears throat> I, I think everybody that is involved that calls themselves a watchman senses a purpose great, far greater than them. Now, how we handle it depends on our grounding and a lot of other things. But yeah. if we take the time to know him personally, we can direct that opportunity in the right way. But I think a lot of people have gotten seduced, sidetracked. Uh, they ended up coming under the enemy by flatteries, by seductions. Sure. The only way out is to have a shake-up and a wake-up. And that's where God, Peter said that there would be a great shaking. And this is what we're on the eve of, the verge of. A great shaking so that those things that are man-made traditional doctrines that don't mean squat, that don't mean anything, have nothing to do with real processing. They'll be revealed for what they are. And the simplicity of Christ will also be revealed for what it is, the power. And that's knowing God's mind to know how to work in the kingdom, the kingdom's way. And you know what? It's way better to understand it now, in the here and now, in this life, than to find out later when it's too late to change anything. So in other words, there's going to be some that are going to scrub the uh, streets of gold and be thankful that they're even there at all. But then there's others that are going to be walking on those streets to go into the inner chamber to be on the inner council, divine council of God. Dave I, I, and Eric, I know you guys are with me on this, and, and probably a lot of our listeners too. I would rather invest all my efforts in the kingdom of God because the one word, whether you're a Calvinist or whether you're an Arminianist, be not deceived, for God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that also shall he reap. That's for eternity. That's forever. So I want to learn all my lessons here now. Yeah. So that when I get on the other side of the grave, I can go into the inner chamber. I can be part of the divine council. Oh, man, it's going to be heaven on earth. That's going to be awesome. I mean, I'm so used to living in the back 40 all my life. I kind of want to, you know, put all the investments up there so I can be in the inner chamber. And ah. it's just loving God first, believing him and resting on his promises. We don't have to worry about anything. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be angry. We don't have to be fearful. God's in control. Always yeah. has been. Always will be. Yeah. When we feel sad, mad, um, not so glad, we got to go before God and say, okay, how I miss the point. I don't have the peace. I don't have the confidence. I, I'm, I'm angry. How does what I have fit into your plan? Because you are always in control. And a prayer like that, you get to start getting instant answers. You don't have to sit there and struggle and wiggle around and, and go through torment trying to find a way. If you're fully yielded, you're going to get an instant answer. That's right. You know, it's funny you brought up investments. I love that because it, it's it, it just segue into something that I wanted to say. Um, you know, I, I, it always never ceases to amaze me how, you know, you'll you'll be talking to you. You go to a church, you'll talk to believers. And, you know, if, if you if you were to tell them, hey, I went up to the Indian casino last week. Boy, I tell you, they would tell you, oh, you're you're a sinner. You're throwing away God's money and everything else. However, I have actually been at churches where, well, let me, I, I, one that I can remember really clearly was um, many years ago in the 80s. And uh, 
<clears throat> one of the rich guys that was supporting the church actually was uh, also into uh, stocks. And he uh, he came to church one day and was allowed to speak from the pulpit about getting into this investment in some oil stock or something like that. And uh, and so these same Christians that would tell you that going to the Indian casino, believe me, I don't we don't gamble. OK, I, I'm just not trying to cover up my own sin or anything. But um, but the same Christians that would tell you that, you know, you know, you, you know, gambling is, is a sin. You're throwing away good money that can be given to the poor and everything. Um, what is the stock market? But an ultimate gamble. You know, it is. You're you're giving your money to somebody and saying, here, take my money, gamble it for me and we'll hope for the best, you know. And uh, it just it it just cracks me up because, you know, I I read recently about something online about somebody that had done that. And, uh, you know, of course, they lost all their money and it happened to be a woman that was, you know, didn't have a lot of money to begin with. And, uh, you know, and then when she approached the subject, she was uh, subject to ridicule and scorn by the people that had lost her money. But um, so, folks, please don't (laughs) don't gamble. Don't you know, I'm not telling you to stay out of the stock market, but realize that it it is gambling and that, you know, if if you were watching the news today, right, Eric, the stock market fell what 729 points. Oh, yeah. And uh, and it could do that again. And uh, we saw back in 2008, I remember 19, uh, what was it, 1989, I think it was, or 88, it happened, and it happened in the 90s again, you know, you could uh, all of a sudden find yourself wiped out. So, you know, what did Jesus say? He said, he said, put your, put your um, goal into um, getting things that don't, in other words, things that, that when you get to heaven will count. You know your net worth and is not going to count in heaven. I mean your 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 net worth and uh, stocks and bonds and money here on earth is not going to count in heaven. You can't take it with you. Um, and uh, but he you know the things like righteousness and holiness and 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 blessing your brother or sister or or uh, <clears throat> defending the poor and the fatherless and the and and it says the alien too. But um, let me be clear about that. And they were talking about aliens. They were talking about uh, uh, people that had actually purposed themselves to join with the Israelites to basically become part of Israel, uh, to become to become Jewish after a few generations that would happen anyway because you would intermarry with different tribes. There would be no differentiation. But um, you know, I'm not I'm not advocating for illegal aliens by any means. But but um, anyway, uh, those are the things that matter to God. You know, and those are the things that. Uh, well, somebody once said, "Character is is what you do when nobody's looking." Good character is what you yep. do when nobody's looking, and uh, and that's why it was. I think Jesus told us that when you, when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. You know, and that means also that you know, the people that you're you're giving to don't need to. Um, I feel like if you're giving to a church or something, they. You know, I always give money. I don't know. I just feel better doing that because I don't want that thing at the end of the year that says, hey, you, you know, you gave us so many dollars and you can use this for your taxes. Well, I understand that that's not available anymore anyway, or it's coming to an end pretty soon. So, but, um, you know, I, I don't want any recognition here. I really don't. I just want to make God happy. I want to make, uh, 
my brothers and sisters happy. And if, if I could just do that, then, you know, I've accomplished everything. Like I was talking with uh, Ralph, you know, on Tuesday, on Tuesday nights, and he's the same way. He's like, you know, if one person listens to one of the videos and gets blessed by it and learns the truth, just one person, that's all that matters. You know, then the, my whole lifetime, speaking of me, you know, my whole lifetime would be worth it because there's there'll be somebody else that'll be in the kingdom of heaven because of something that the Lord used me to do. And, you know, pleasing him is far more important than pleasing anybody else in this entire universe. So anyway, I'm losing yeah. my voice. I think I'm coming down with so, something. So. The principle too, the whole idea, Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. You know, that that has a stipulation there. But the thing is, number one, loving loving God. And if you have a hard time or difficulty loving him, which means to obey him, then agree with him. Agree with him to let him work in you what you're not capable of doing, and he will do it. Right. So he, God's in control, always in control. Gambling introduces the idea of luck, of chance. Right. And what becomes an affront to the Lord is the fact that nothing is by chance. Nothing is luck. There is no luck. There is no chance. God is supreme and in control of all the time, even in the worst things that we experience or go through. God is still able to be totally in control and can, you know, bring the person back into the fold or whatever it is. All you got to do is agree with him that he is in control, that you are not in control, that you need to conform to his mind, his will. I mean, so, I mean, as innocent as it might seem. Now, my my parents, when they were alive, they loved the Lord. Um, they liked to go to this church for bingo. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, they played, like, eight different, you know, cards or whatever. They would have a certain amount of money that they would have uh, planned on maybe going for a dinner and a movie. It's okay. We're going to spend this much, and that's all. When we're done, we're done. And they stuck to it all the time. So in their hearts, it was just an innocence. But it's, you know, I used to tell them, well, it's still, you know, it could be misconceived as that. And it's one of the things we never got totally resolved. But I never saw God chastise them or get on them for it. It was their antenna heart. That was their entertainment. They weren't hooked on gambling. They weren't denying the goddess, you know. Uh, has providence over their lives. My gosh, they they were everybody's parent that had a bad parent. And I had that all my life. That's, you know, the wonderful thing about them as, as parents. So, I mean, so God isn't, and they're having the mind of Christ. He's concerned about the intent of heart. Right. Not the letter of the law. And that's why even, you know, he said that, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In that, everybody needs to have a day of rest. God had a day of rest from seven days of creation. Yeah, I believe seven literal days. I mean, you know, whatever a day might be conceived, if even if you think it's a thousand years. Well, you know what? Whatever it was, he rested one day. We're supposed to do the same. He wants to make sure that we have that rest. So is it on Saturday, Sunday, Monday? Whatever your schedule is, I think the intent is make sure that you take time for yourself to stop all activity and to know that he is God. Take that time and, and just 
rest. Mm -hmm. um, it's intent to heart, not, not anything else. And I think that's the, the heart of everything. So that with a servant attitude, with knowing God, you get it, you understand it. If you don't, then you're going to default back to a rigid letter of the law kind of a, an experience. And that's where we miss out so much. We ended up knowing about God, but not knowing him intimately. They that know their God will be strong and do exploits. So, you know, there's another, it's not even in the Bible. It's the one where um, Satan, uh, in his plan, he, these fallen angels had, had scattered the secrets of heaven amongst man. Looking up the word scattered, it's interesting. Because it means he sprinkled a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit there. What does the occult do? They like secret knowledge with initiation. Right. From one level to another, and you progress, you can learn more knowledge, having more power. What does God say? You show yourself faithful in a little, and I'll give you more. Right. But that's different than this other plan. So how do we see all of the secret societies, all of, some even Christian organizations, that will actually go from one level to the next to the next? If it's not being led of the Holy Spirit by entrusting, by, through serving, but by gnosis, by learning knowledge, you can learn all this stuff about, about, and then it ends up being what? Having a form of godliness, but denying the power within. Right. Having right. a form of godliness, but denying the power within. I mean, man, I hate to say it, the large portion of the church is, that's where they're existing right now. They know about God, but they don't know him. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we've run into that so many times, Jim, right? When... Uh, we used to get into, uh, and, and, and Eric too, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to leave you out, but, um, you know, you get online and you foolishly, I, th I say for myself, foolishly join these stupid groups that where they're talking about flat earth or or whatever, or even just regular things where they're talking, to, you know, regular forum where they get off base a little bit and, and you, you try to bring, you know, some kind of truth into the situation and Boy, I'll tell you, these people that go to church on Sunday, they'll they'll rip you a new one. They'll they'll chew you up and spit you out seven seven different ways, you know. And it's like, where's the love here, you know? Where's the understanding? Where's the uh, the tolerance? I hate to use that word because it's used so much in, in in this world, but but where's you know where's the uh, listening? You know, everybody knows everything, but nobody wants to listen, and. Uh, I'm fearful for the for the church. I really am because it's uh, it's arrogant. Uh, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of wisdom, and nobody fears the Lord anymore. They uh, you know they hey I'm an I'm an expert. Well, you pick your field. I'm an expert in UFOs. I'm an expert in in the Giants. Who the Giants were? I'm a and I mean a, the Nephilim, not the New York Giants. Um, I I'm an expert in uh, I'm an expert I don't in. Mind. <laughs> yeah well it takes a lot of faith uh, but uh you know and and what does it really matter that you're an expert in that you know if uh what is oh i can't it's in first john and he, he goes into this whole diatribe and it's wonderful and it's about if a man has this but he has love it's nothing if he has this and he, he it's paul paul's saying it 
you know, if I if I know the tongue of angels, but I don't know how to love my brother, it's nothing, you know. And and that's what I see. You know, I see people with all this knowledge, all this um, supposed understanding, all this wisdom that. Uh, but you know, when it, when it comes to dealing with people in a, in a personal uh, way, first of all, they can't do it because they'll chastise them in front of other people, which is wrong. And even worldly people know not to do that. But. Uh, you know, they'll they just call them out on the carpet and uh, threaten them with blackmail sometimes, uh, spiritual blackmail or financial blackmail, whatever. You know, you do this and I'm going to do that, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> there's no love. There's no love there. And uh, if a man doesn't have love, he's nothing. And he, he doesn't know God, certainly. You know, like you said, he knows of God, but he doesn't know God personally. And that's the whole thing, is to know God personally, is to have a relationship with him. Otherwise, you've got religion. And religion leads to death. Yeah, I said it. I hate religion. I hate that word. Leads to death. It's, it's a, it's a man-made thing with, uh, with rituals and, and really bizarre beliefs that uh, have no biblical background or very little biblical background. But uh, the true believer... Uh, Jesus said that the time is coming when those who worship God will worship him in spirit and in truth. And when you look at all the traditions and everything that are handed out by some religions and um, the, the stuff that, I don't know, that I, I don't see spirit and truth there. I see tradition. And that's, and you know, it's funny. And, and I got to say this. I um, In my line of work, sometimes I have to take some of our clients down to uh, the Catholic service, and I take them down to the Protestant service, too. Uh, Was that want to go there? Um, to be frank with you, aside from the, the Hail Marys and, and believing that Mary is, uh, you know, the, um, the, the go-between between God and man, replacing Jesus, I see no difference between the two services. You know, the worship's a little different, yes, and stuff like that. But it's it's basically the same service without the Pope and without Mary <laughs> and, trans, and, and without transubstantiation. Um, so, you know, I'm taking them to religious services. I'm not necessarily taking the Protestants to a Christian service, uh, what I would consider a Christian service anyway. And uh, so, I don't know, it's just... Uh, the whole thing is wacky, and like you said, there's a reset coming, and boy, I'm sure hoping that uh, the reset just straightens a lot of people up. But Jim, one thing that really scares me, and when you were talking earlier, and I and I pray that this doesn't happen, is that you know you were talking about that the finances are going to be freed up, and that you know Christians are going to be well well to do, and and I I like that idea, but at the same time it scares me because I know what well to do does to people. It's kind of like what college does to kids when you send them to college. You know, they go in Christians and they come out pagans. <laughs> but I'm just hoping that when this reset happens, if there is financial gain for, for believers, that, you know, it doesn't corrupt more people than it helps. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, I totally agree. Because this is going to be sounding funny maybe, but most of my life I've been hurt by people with money as opposed to people that didn't. Right. Growing up in Livonia, I was um, I lived in Dutch Mill Farms, which is a blue collar auto working place. And Livonia went through a big transformation in the 60s. Uh, it went from that to being a uh, really an up and coming, high profile, high you know uh, upper middle class neighborhood, uh, right. business 
some people. And on one hand, I had more in common with a lot of kids. You know, they were geeks like me. They liked, you know, astronomy and geology and stuff like that. And, you know, I, it was great. But I had a stigma put upon me because of where I lived. Mm-hmm. My, one of my first friends that um, we were into a lot of science and science fiction and everything together, and their parents actually told him, look, I, we don't want you hanging around with him much longer because he's going to be too much of a negative influence. He's from Dutch Mill Farms. He's never going to amount to much of anything, and we have bigger plans for you. We don't want that negative influence. Wow. Oh, I broke my heart, man. I mean, we, yeah. he was, we had a lot of fun. Um, there was another guy. They, His parents owned a chain of high-profile restaurants, which are pretty well-known even today. And uh, I wanted to go to the movies with his younger sister. We had a lot in common and, you know, we had fun and we were just friends. They come and brought me into the room and said, look, you know, you're from, you know, from this area and, you know, you're going to be limited in, in uh, what you're going to be and do. And we've got bigger plans for our daughter and we don't want your influence on her. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm shocked. I say, well, I didn't want to marry her. I just wanted to go to the movies with her. Uh-huh. So this preset a real attitude I had for anybody of affluence. I thought, man, if that's what money does to you, I don't want it. Right. I actually. It's pretty, it's pretty common uh, for money to do that to people. I mean, you'll you'll occasionally you'll find some pe- uh, people with money that aren't that way, but it's more uh, that's more truth than it is false. So. But you know what, though, guys? I mean, you know, I carried this on even over to when I was passed through the King's Kids in the ministry. I did everything I could to not have money. Right. Because I didn't want it to change me. I didn't want it to be, I didn't want to be like those people. But then, progressing forward on, I started having people that were affluent that were Christians. And they started contributing and, and being very generous. I saw a whole different side to it. Christ makes the difference, man. They were, these exactly. were people. I mean, and I, I'm, I'm blessed to have these people in my life now that just recently, even some of them, I just stand in awe. I'm just blown away by their generosity. And it's God in them doing it. Therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, they're a new creature. And they get it. They understand. And, man, it softened my heart up to realize, you know what? It doesn't have to corrupt if you put it in the right way, if you let God direct it. So then all of a sudden now I'm coming into a situation. That's why I say that, you know, I've made some preparations for what's about to happen. Um, I've not kept it a secret. I've announced it to everybody. I've told them what to do. Nobody's done it that I know of. So, you know, it's, it goes back to reaping and sowing. Do your own research, figure it out for yourself. I said all I can. You want to ignore it? Okay. You know, you're going to reap what you sowed. Um, it doesn't mean that after this reset happens, I might be in a very good position and they won't, uh, that I won't take care of them. I, I will, but you know what? You're on the bottom of my list. There's other people that have contributed much that I, they get my attention first because they've, I'm obligated to them, not, uh, in anything other than they have reaped or they have sown a lot. I need to reap back. Right. But, uh, seen have money that know God and they're exploiting the situation. Uh, it's just awesome. It's just 
it's amazing. And what hurts for me, I've got a couple of financial situations right now. I could go to several people right now, one person in particular, and he would supply me with everything I needed. But I sense in the spirit that he's doing it out of guilt. God doesn't want to do it out of guilt. And I don't want to be an enabler to him. So I'm not going to ask him. I mean, it could be a quick fix to my situation, but I got to consider his heart, where he's at. I don't want to be an enabler for him. I want him to be able to work out things so he can give freely, not out of guilt, because right. he thinks he's, you know, compromising. You're not. He's not compromising. This is a brave man, a godly man, a good man. Uh, all I can do is pray for him, and I don't need your money. I've got God. He supplies all my needs. Because mm-hmm. I do situations like this. The kingdom way. Right. Concerned about the individual, not the bigger picture, not my personal needs. God takes care of my personal needs. He owns what, the cattle on a thousand hills? That's right. Yeah, you know, the math, man. That's quite, that's pretty good, I think. <laughs> uh, I don't have to worry about it. Again, it's that three, simple three step message love God above everything else. By knowing Him, I can love Him. And by believing Him and His promises, I don't have anything to worry about. Rest on it. Right. You know, when, you know, I, I, I have so many people recently calling about, you know, about understanding um, Project Bluebeam and it's multifaceted thing. I mean, it can project holographic images of horses and Jesus coming back and on a horse or whatever. It can actually inject a thought into your mind and communicate and talk to you. I mean, they use this regularly in the Gulf, um, Persian Gulf. This is a USS whatever. Um, we're off the port bow, you know, side. Um, don't be alarmed. We're speaking to you through through some modern technology. Um, you need to turn around and proceed to such and such course. They do that so that they don't have to get close within gun range or anything of being uh, jeopardized. Right. Um, there's just so much different things that are going on right now. Technology that most people aren't aware is fully functional. So people call, oh my God, they can read up, they can put thoughts in our mind. Yeah, so what? Well, aren't you concerned? No. I got a scripture, a verse, a promise that says, no weapon formed against us shall prosper, and these are the inheritance of them that trust in him. This is for everyone, all time, everywhere. That means Monsanto, chemtrails, everything doesn't have to hurt me. That's right. It doesn't. I don't. So why am I going to worry about it? I'm not. So my sheep hear my voice. So, okay, we got the flesh can tell you a lot of curves that mess you up. We've got the devil and his minions. They can certainly mess up your head. Mm-hmm. And now we got another one. It's going to mess up your No, you know, it's the same. But my God promised me that I'm his sheep. I'm going to hear his voice. and I'm going to hear it clearly. Right. The rest of them are all going to trip themselves up by themselves and be revealed for who and what they are. So I don't have anything to worry about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Alfred E. Newman, I agree with you, man. <laughs> what? No. You know, I heard a beautiful illustration the other day. Actually, I read it, but, um, and you might have seen it too. It was posted on Facebook, but it talked about um, there are some times when uh, a lamb or a sheep will give a birth to a lamb. And for whatever reason, the sheep does not accept the lamb. And the, the shepherd will see this because the lamb will start to falter, you know, because of hunger, it won't be able to walk. So what the, the shepherd does 
as a shepherd walks up and picks up that lamb. And that type of lamb, I believe, is called a bummer lamb. So when you hear somebody go, oh, bummer, it's going to really now it's going to put a new whole aspect to that word for you. But um, so what the sheep does is, you know, he takes it to with him and he feeds the sheep and he talks to the sheep and, you know, or the lamb, excuse me, and has, um, you know, just has contact with it continuously. And then when when that lamb has grown up a little more to where it can fend for itself, he lets it go. And uh, that's not the end of the story, though, because he... The story explained that when the shepherd goes out and calls for the sheep, he calls for the sheep and the bummer lamb knows his voice. And the bummer lamb will always come running up first. And I think that's the way, you know, when Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, they hear my voice and they know my voice. And and I think that that's what he was referring to. And I think that, you know, that's what we need to do. We need to be the ones that are that are spend so much time with them. Um, because, you know, that's one-on-one time that the bummer sheep spends with the shepherd. You know, and that's what we're supposed to be spending is one-on-one time with him. So that when he talks to us, we know it's him. We know it's not somebody else. But when he tells us to do something, we're glad to do it because basically he saved our lives. You know, we were we had been rejected of this world and we were, were out there. Um, you know, we're sinners, of course, but we're out there and we're faltering and we probably wouldn't have lasted very long. I think a lot of us that are listening to this, you, me and Eric, all of us that had we not come to the Lord, you know, we probably would have might not even be here on the radio show or even breathing breaths here on earth anymore because, uh, you know, for one reason or another, but, um, but because we, uh, we were taken in and, and suckered by the, S U C C O R E D. Okay. Dave, Dave, I would probably be in, I'd probably be in Sedona, Arizona waiting to be beamed up, man. Right. Right. Yeah. I'd, be I'd probably be in an opium den somewhere. Yeah. I'd be in a prison cell. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. You know what? Come on, man. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been. So we all know where we would have been if we, if we hadn't been called out and remember that, the sheep, the shepherd goes and picks up that sheep. So he, that sheep, that lamb is called out. You know, it's it's pulled aside for, and when you read that in the scripture where it says uh, we're a peculiar people, it doesn't mean that we're weird or strange. It just means that we're, we're called out. We're different. We're different than everybody else, you know? So there's no wonder that when he says that, um, you know, he infers in scripture that when he, when he calls, uh, what, what did it say? Um, what did he say? When the Son of Man returns, will I find faith upon the earth? You know? Well, yeah, if, if there's sucker lambs there, you will. Or sucker lambs, I'm sorry. Um, bummer lambs, you, you bummer will. Bummer lambs. Yeah. Now, that uh, is going to give me a definite, because uh, de- I used to use that one all the time, bummer. You yeah. Know, it's part of the old 60s thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's probably where yeah. it came from, but it got bastardized in one way or another, yeah. like many oh, things so, do. Yeah, so many things do. Yeah. But, um, the main thing is that, you know, is to what I would encourage everybody is to pray for discernment because there's a lot of people out there that that want your uh, your attention. They don't necessarily deserve it. They want your money and they definitely don't deserve that. And um, and they want your time and your time is precious, especially as you get older. Um, and our time is supposed to be spent for the Lord and in the Lord and not really for many other things than that. Um, you know, there's work and everything else, but that's, that's a ministry aspect too. Uh, in my, my thinking anyway, but, 
Um, and there's family time too, but that should be in the Lord also. But, uh, you know, be, just be careful out there because there's a lot of Shlemiels and Shlemazels out there that, that want to take you away from the Lord. They want to, they want to pull you away, whether it be with financial deals or if it's with, uh, uh, some weird doctrine or something that uh, you're gonna uh, you're gonna make a lot of money or you're gonna uh, have extra power because you're with them or listening to their doctrine or you know that's that's all garbage but uh, you know I just I always pray for discernment for God's people you know because that without it you know we're sunk and uh, and for and for people to be able to hear the Holy Spirit of course. You know, and uh, between the two and, and listening to wise counsel from brothers that really do love the Lord and sisters also, um, you know, we, we've got a win, win, win situation. And I think that we uh, we need to take advantage of that more often. Than that. I don't think we'll get suckered the way a lot of people would like us to be. So uh, and if anybody comes to you with a strange doctrine, always say scripture, text and verse and that better be backed up by two or three other scriptures. So, yeah. Man, there you go. That's the bottom line right there. It's the rock. It's the word. That's right. You can you can have a lot of. Well, one thing I'm going to be showing in my the museum that I have now is is that symbology is all around us everywhere. Yeah. I mean, you know, the more you understand uh, the Masons, the Illuminati, the secret societies, and and their symbols, the occult and their symbols, and even God's symbols. Um, the more you can see the deception, it's written all over the place. But, you know, you could drive yourself flipping nuts if you follow just symbols. You could. It'd drive yeah. you crazy. because yeah, they're right. But the thing is, that is just one element to a bigger picture. Everything has to be in balance and in harmony. So, the, so a lot of times the symbols are just one little piece to a bigger picture. So if you have it balanced out, you're going to just trip out on, on symbols. Are you, and I've had to warn people. You know, okay, it's there, it's true, yes, but there's a bigger picture. Fit into that. I mean, you're only seeing one little element, and it's gonna you're gonna drive yourself crazy if you just focus on that alone. There's a balance to everything. Some of this is adding nothing more than icing on the cake, but it is not the cake. The word of God is the cake. So take those and see how they fit back into the word of God. Confer, con confirm, verify, and clarify. By the word of God. If you don't have it founded on a rock, you could drive yourself nuts. So That's right. if you pray and ask God, he's going to show you how that symbol fits in to his plan, how he's in control. You don't have to be freaked out. It's all part of so you can sit there and just go tee hee hee. Wow, I understand that one. It's pretty cool. I've got I've got a little picture, and it actually originally came from Osonic Temple. It was in the hallway. And it's proclaiming prophetically their plan in a nutshell in just one picture. It's weird. It's got a cypress tree. It's got a monkey, a rhesus monkey, facing the right-hand side on top of the tree. He's wearing a top hat with a brown um, scarf tied in a knot. And then three koi fish. One is mostly red, a little gold. The second one is half and half, and the third one is almost all gold with a little red. Hmm. Sounds weird, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, oh man, I'm back in the 60s. I thought I quit that LSD stuff. Um, <laughs> but it actually, what it's saying, what that is saying is that 
the cypress tree representing the tree of life, the rhesus monkey, RH negative, the top hat is the elite, rich, the knot tied, the brown knot tied around is to remember, is telling the rich elite to remember there are going to be three wars. The first one's bloody, but it starts reaching the goal. The second one is 50 50. The third one reaches the goal. It's all it's almost all gold with hardly any of the red. Now, I'm saying long story short, there is an interpretive value that is consistent within the occult that speaks this out. Um, the only problem is they lose and they don't even know it. Right. And the sad thing is, most Christians got to realize we got a Bible that in Revelation 19 chapter, if you're putting your trust and faith in Jesus, we win. It's already been, it's already happened. So it's a matter of perspective. From heaven, it's already done. Right. Oh, 100% assured, God wins, Satan loses. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. from an earthly perspective, this war hasn't even happened yet. We're on the eve of it, maybe in two months. Right. Oh, and so I got a poster I'm making right now. It's like, well, you know, basically that's a, uh, from the earthly perspective, you know, we've been always taught that that happened in some ancient time past, you know, even before creation. Well, no, it hasn't happened yet, but it will happen. But God's outside of time. It's already happened. He's assured us, hey, I won. I've always been in control. Always will be on earth. Well, that's kind of where CERN, that's kind of where transhumanism, it's kind of where cloning and all this stuff. This is the end of the rainbow for them. A death and a resurrection of one of nine people, eight people that have had the spirit of Antichrist. The only thing is one comes back twice. Right. That comes back. And where does he go first? He doesn't go back to hell. He ascends into heaven and makes a war. Mm -hmm. We're on the eve of that, man. That's a mind blower. It's a, so I, I in the poster I got, you know, it's a it's a space-time quantum physics thing. Uh, go to the museum, see the rest of it, and when you come out, you're going to understand it. And you can. It sounds heavy, deep, or whatever, but you know what? There's an explanation that is so simple, anybody can figure it out. And so I like to think that that's what the Lord has given me to present in the museum so that it's easy-peasy, man. We nice. win. The only thing is, Christians, we already won. Mm -hmm. So act like you're the winner. Don't act like a loser. Don't right. be careful don't be angry don't be fed up or, or you know upset uh, by the things that are going on now rejoice you're the winner if you're putting your trust and faith in jesus we win they lose they just don't know that they've lost yet but let's not be aware that we've already won and we don't have anything to worry about we are the winners thank you jesus for your mercy and grace and your love amen and amen amen yeah. Wow. Wow, what a great way to end the show. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, well we do have some live listeners tonight that, that um, are friends of mine that are listening. And they've been kind of putting a little dialogue as we've been going along. And nice. thank you, guys. Next time, maybe, hopefully, you know, we're still, we're still getting used to the, the live part because we haven't done that a lot. So 
uh, we'll get better at it. Yeah, and I do. I, I actually I do have a Skype telephone number, and I'm hoping to learn someday how to incorporate that into the, uh, you know, call-ins. So that would be really neat if I can figure out how to do that, and we could actually have yeah. call-ins that would, uh, you know, we could talk with and and uh, banter things back and forth with, or just minister to people. So that would be really neat. So. That would be awesome. You know, if there's anybody out in the audience that hears that that can help us out with that, please send us information and and uh, get us on the track so we can do that. Yeah, don't laugh too hard because it's probably really something easy to do. But it you know, <laughs> <laughs> coming from an era when we didn't even have computers and we had dial telephones and everything else, you know, just keep that in mind when you you think about us. Not Eric so much, but. When you think about Jim and I, you know, uh, we have... Especially, I still have a flip phone. I mean, I, I, I've got a smartphone, but um, I haven't initiated it yet. I'm going to basically use it just for um, PayPal transfers and, and uh, vendor uh, being able to, to accept credit cards. That's about all I use it for. I don't want to join the Facepalm Club. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, Eric, uh, Jim... It's been a pleasure being with you guys again for two hours. And Amen. someday we'll get to do it forever in heaven. That would be even better. That would be pretty sweet. Yeah. But uh, two hours a week is, is you know, it's, it satisfies my, my time of fellowship with you guys. But uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get popular someday and we'll be doing this every day. Who knows? I don't know. But, <laughs> uh, but God knows. And, you know, all in his good timing. So that's all we can hope for. Well, Jim, you want to give us a, a closing uh, prayer, and then we'll uh, we'll end the show. Father, we just come before you, Lord. There's so much getting ready to come down that so many people are not prepared for. I pray, Lord, that I know that in your mercy, you're going to be able to lift your church up, lift your people up to be as one, because this is all about bringing the body together. So, Lord, I pray that we might be able to rise up and do our part. Help us to be servants above everything. Help us to do what we are not capable of doing, to love our enemies. Help us to be able to win these people over in love, the people that, the very people that we detest. And I mean, George Stephanopoulos, I'm talking, you know, all the fake news promoters, all right. the fake politicians, yes. the ones that are going to be left behind that are still alive, we have to love them. And Lord, in my human efforts and the rest of my brothers and sisters, watchmen that are aware of what's going on, help us to rise to the occasion to let you flow through us because we cannot do this ourselves. We need you to do it through us so that they might be one because it's only love that is going to fight hate. It's only light that's going to fight darkness. Help us to walk in that. Help us, as your scriptures tell us, that we will know you and that we will do exploits and that we might shine like the, the stars in heaven because we've been wise and led many to you. This we ask in your mighty and precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. Good night, audience. Good night, Jim. Good night, Eric. If you guys want to stay on afterwards, that's okay with me, but I'm going to shut the show off. So. Yeah, if I could, uh, maybe just for a couple of minutes. Yeah, okay. Good night, folks. Okay, good night, good night everybody.